bondservants. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will pay, be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ralph, for reading that. Uh, what an interesting passage we have here today. Well, just wanted to say it's so great to be able to come here and meet in person. Um, so, yeah, some churches are, yeah, are lucky. They can meet together face-to-face. Um, but, yeah, because um, the size of the church I'm at, uh, it's, we can't actually meet. And the spaces that we have, uh, we can't actually meet face-to-face. So I haven't actually been physically to church for a long time. <laughs> so it's really good to be here with you, especially among faces that are familiar well, uh, so with COVID, it's, uh, when it eventually settles down, it'll be really great, won't it? You know, there's lots of things we can't do, um, but those things we'll finally be able to do again, uh, even simple things. But I have to say, it sure pays to be a New South, uh, New South Welshman right now, because our brothers in Victoria, well, it's quite grim. It's uh, not even two people uh, from different households can meet for more than two hours. And some people who go to different places to exercise that are close by, well, some of them have been, been getting fines. Well, for that reason, uh, last Saturday, lots of people in Melbourne protested about uh, the ongoing lockdown for se- uh, for s- at several locations in Melbourne. Um, and I'm not sure, since yesterday they might have done a similar thing. At least they thought they might. Well, on the one hand, there's this, another slide. Uh, on the one hand, it might make sense. You know, the second wave of COVID has made people frustrated. And uh, it, before, when they could do everything, they could go about and do things, they might have, been, have, might have had to wear a mask or not go to certain suburbs, but still, they had a lot of freedom. Uh, but right now, uh, they're basically confined to house imprisonment. So uh, they're angry and upset. People are frustrated and anxious about the future if things continue on the way that they are. Well, that's one side. But on the other hand, is it really so wrong just to obey rules? Rules which are actually for our own good. Rules which are trying to keep uh, them and all Australians alive, particularly those who are vulnerable. Why do we have this kind of dilemma in our society in Australia? Well, it's because we're privileged. In Western society, we're given so many individual freedoms, aren't we? So many that we actually forget that we're a part of something bigger because we get to do whatever we want. Uh, We forget that we're a part of something bigger like a country or a state. Uh, But how it's it's meant to work is uh, a country or a state, they uh, give us freedoms and privileges of being a citizen, but in exchange for us uh, obeying them. Not a wrong thing. That's how it's meant to work. But we struggle with this, don't we? We want to be individuals. 
Well, if we struggle with submitting with government authorities, when they try to protect our lives, well, what about with God? You know, God uh, gives us lots of privileges, but do we think about him? We live like we're the boss of our own lives in in most days, um, but we forget that we're not actually the boss of our own lives. For the Christian, God is the boss, isn't he? Uh, of our lives and indeed of everything. So we are to obey him. But most of us go, uh, go about our days and we don't even think about him. I'm not pointing the finger, that's, that's me as well. It's a society we live in. In a society where we're given complete freedom over our own lives, how do we live with Jesus as Lord of our lives? So in a society where we're given complete freedom over our lives, how do we live as Jesus, as Lord of our lives? That's the question we're going to try and answer today. But thankfully, Paul has done uh, the work here. So let's go there. Let's see what our Bible passage today has to say about this. Uh, Well, the first thing we learn about how uh, to have Jesus as Lord over our lives is this. Uh, If you're not your own boss, submit to your earthly bosses as service to the heavenly master. Sorry, it's really long. If you're, if, you're, if you're not your own boss, submit to your earthly bosses as service to your heavenly master. Well, we see this in Paul's instructions for Christian slaves. Have a look at it with me. So I'm going to look at the NIV and the slides will be uh, that as well, but they're quite close. Uh, so uh, Colossians 3 verse 22 is where we're going to start. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Well, before we dig into what Paul says here, let's make sure we're on the same page with Paul when he talks about slaves. That's not something we think about a lot, thank God. Uh, but when we think of the word slave, we probably think of someone who's, who's chained up or has been forced into a, a life of subhuman servitude for someone else. Uh, we probably think of an African person taken as a slave in the 16th to 19th century in the slave trade. Oh, thank God that's no longer the case. I mean, that, that picture on the bottom right is just bone chilling. You know, they were crammed in into uh, a ship uh, like, like cargo and uh, not many of them would survive. Well, it's uh, by, by and large, by the, uh, in the New Testament times, things were not like that. That's not uh, actually what slavery was like. In the New Testament, uh, the same word, duolus, was used for servants uh, who worked for a master for a wage, just a worker, or jewelers was also used as a word to refer to slaves who belonged to their masters, or they belonged to their masters because they willingly sold themselves into slavery while they were in a position of debt to someone else. So um, someone might have been in debt and they needed to pay back a bill or something like that, or uh, someone else, or they owed someone, so they would um, get a master or a slave master to bail them out in exchange for a certain amount of years of service, depending on how much they needed to be bailed out. Uh, it's likely it's this second group, uh, this, the slaves that Paul is talking about here. So when a slave master uh, gives a slave money to pay back debt, that person would be considered the property of uh, their owners under Roman law. So this meant that the person would not work for their own gain and their own income, but they'd work for the gain of their master in whatever the master would have them do. 
in exchange for provisions and a place to live. This also meant the slaves and anything that belonged to the slaves belonged to their master. Uh, this even included things like uh, their children, uh, their children that they had while in the master's household, um, they belonged to their master as well. So a slave was bound to servitude to his master for a set period unless somehow they gained the means to redeem themselves. That's where we get the language of redemption in the Bible, actually, this idea. So they either redeemed themselves or they were purchased by another master. So unless the slave has paid off his debt or was purchased, he could never leave his master's household. Also, uh, the slave was obviously not entitled to any of the master's inheritance. It wasn't like a son, unless in an, an unusual circumstance, uh, the master doesn't have any children or relatives. And then um, the slave might be uh, kind of like a, just looking after the, the master's things until uh, the right heir arises or someone who's eligible uh, to inherit his, um, his belongings. So basically, a slave in Roman society had no rights. And for this reason, slaves were seen as the lowest caste of people in society because they always served other people and they're not their own masters. And since slaves were masters' property, they could be beaten. This was normal. Uh, they could be disciplined and treated harshly if they didn't please their master. So it's these kind of people. In fact, it's these people who've become Christians that Paul says um, those words we heard before. Those words, slaves, obey your earthly master in everything. So what Paul means is that though a slave might have, uh, not, uh, might have become a Christian, and in doing so, these slaves uh, become servants of Jesus, their new Lord or master. So the word Lord, when it's got the O-R-D in the lowercase, it's actually the same word as master in the Greek. So when Paul or any of the apostles referred to Jesus as Lord, uh, they always meant that he was their master. So this helps us to understand the kind of confusion that the, these slaves might have been experiencing. So if Jesus is their new master and has purchased them with his own life, he's redeemed them, then a slave might think, oh, they no longer need to serve their earthly masters anymore. They belong to someone else. Or at least uh, he might think that the serving his earthly master well, doesn't really matter compared to serving his new master, Jesus, who's going to reward them. But Paul actually corrects this kind of thinking and tells them to keep serving their earthly masters. And in fact, keep doing that in everything. Serving their masters in everything is why, what they should be doing. Uh, it's what they're expected to do. But it's not hard to imagine that probably wasn't the case. <laughs> Especially if their masters were particularly demanding and harsh. Most slaves probably hated their masters and the things they'd get them to do. Not to mention all their hard work, no matter how hard or good it was, they might uh, clean up their house perfectly and all the utensils, but it wouldn't matter because none of that uh, stuff that they would clean would belong to them. No matter, no matter how good... Uh, they served their master, they'd received no pay uh, since they were indebted to their masters. But Paul says that they're not to be resentful to their bosses, but to serve them in everything. So in the next verse, Paul adds 
that they are to even to do so with all their heart. So now not only are they to serve their earthly masters as before in everything, but in everything they do for their masters, they are to work at with all of their heart. So what does this mean? Well, what Paul is saying is that the slaves are there to work wholeheartedly for their masters, not half-heartedly, to try and serve their interests uh, however they can, the interests of their master, to care about what their master wants. But what's the reason for this? Surely that's over the top. Well, strangely, Paul adds to this that they had to do so as as working for the Lord, not human masters. But what does he mean by this? Well, he tells us in verse 24. He says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what Paul is telling the Christian slaves here is what it's meant to be uh, for Jesus to be their new master. It doesn't mean that he takes them from their current household, but it means that they don't give up serving their current earthly masters. What they do for their earthly masters is now serving their heavenly master, Jesus. And not only does Paul tell them to do this in everything, uh, but also when their master is not watching. We see this in verse 22. Paul says, do it, that is serving your master, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart. So wholeheartedly and with sincerity of heart. So they're not to just be good servants when their master is watching or please people and win their favor when they're watching, but all the time, even when they're not watching. But why is this? Well, it's because unlike earthly masters, our heavenly master, our true master is watching all the time. He never sleeps. He even knows when we do things to other people Uh, with secret bad motives. He can see beneath what's obvious. That's why slaves are to serve earthly masters all the time. But what what reward can possibly... Hang on. But that's not the only reason why. Another reason Paul encourages slaves to do everything as service to Jesus is because they ought to fear and revere Jesus. He's their master. In reverence for the Lord, we are to do everything. It's verse 22. It's on the screen there. Well, why are we to revere the Lord Jesus in whatever we're doing? Well, there's two reasons. Firstly, because we know we will receive an inheritance from him. So in verse 23 to 24, Paul tells the Colossians this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. which This is pretty remarkable, actually. So he's saying this to a slave. Remember, we said, slaves don't get an inheritance. But if, this, if the slave uh, worships Jesus and trusts Jesus, uh, they actually get something. Uh, we'll talk about this a bit more later. So what Paul is saying is that uh, what makes up for the fact that earthly masters will not pay us or pay a slave for what they do for them, is that Jesus will pay, pay them. Our earthly masters might not pay us anything uh, because we owe them or because slaves owe them, but if we serve, uh, if these slaves serve their masters wholeheartedly because of their faith in Jesus, 
Jesus will pay them for their service. He will pay them with an inheritance as a reward. So this is not something they deserve, but something he wants to give them. Well, what exactly is this inheritance? Well, it's the reward of being with Christ, our Lord, for eternity. And inheriting the whole earth and the new perfected creation. So when the world, God's going to come back and fix the world, uh, he's going to share it with all those who trust in him. That's what they're going to inherit. Imagine that, a slave who has nothing and then is entitled to nothing gets to inherit the world. It's amazing. What reward could possibly be better than that? Serving Jesus will mean that they get an inheritance. Well, that's not the only motivation for their behavior as servants or workers, but they also to revere Jesus because they know that Jesus will judge all that they do wrong. Jesus will impartially judge their actions, even if uh, they're in positions of weakness or even oppression. Yes, God does advocate for the weak. We know about that from the Bible. Uh, we hear about that in Matthew 5, in fact. But that doesn't mean that the marginalized and the weak get special treatment for when they do wrong things. We see this in verse 25 when Paul says, Anyone who does uh, wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So when he says no favoritism, who's he talking about? He's talking about with God. With God, there is no favoritism. A slave in those times, I might uh, imagine, uh, would be tempted to slack off in their work. Firstly, because uh, his work on earth, well, it's insignificant and it benefits him little. And secondly, like I mentioned earlier, because he probably hates his master. To be honest, masters were mostly unjust and harsh to their servants. Slaves might even be tempted in their own way to pay back their masters. Uh, for their harshness with stroppy work around the house or stealing extra portions of of food from his master or other possessions when they're not watching yeah so they might be tempted to devalue their work here um, and looking forward to the only the work that's done for the lord that's somehow different well this passage defies that kind of logic doesn't it and encourages the slave to submit to their earthly masters as if serving God. Well, why is that? Well, it's because God is watching. God wants us to obey and embody the perfect servant, the example that we're given, uh, the perfect servant, Jesus. So what did Jesus do? Well, he didn't consider his rights uh, or what he could do or break ranks because he knew that uh, that wasn't the way to glorify God. He wanted to be obedient. Well, though we might feel like uh, slaves sometimes uh, to our boss or our kids or our spouses, uh, the reality is we, we really aren't. Uh, none, in none of these relationships do we really owe them anything. Uh, so obviously we can't apply this passage directly. We're not slaves. But what we can do is take some of the principles and apply it to our lives today. So first of all, let's talk about uh, our work for employers, because I imagine most of us do that, or have done that at some point. 
What principles of the slave-master relationship can we apply to our work? Well, we're not to devalue our work for our bosses. Because even if the work, uh, even if the work of a slave done to their master uh, can be done in a way as if serving God, then our paid work or even our volunteer work uh, is to be done in a manner as if serving God. In this passage, we learn that God is watching whatever we do and, uh, and in everything we should have him as our master. But why is that? Why does Jesus get to be the boss? Well, it's because he is. That's who he is. And, but why? What has he done? Well, he has bought us with his blood on the cross in exchange for our debt. But what was our debt? We often remember, forget this, but our debt was that we did wrong. We did wrong against God. We did wrong to others and God is, uh, has us guilty for that. We're meant to behave a certain way, uh, but we haven't. And uh, God as our creator has the right to punish for that. So we had a debt that required us to pay with our very lives. But thank God, Jesus has already paid for that debt. Like a slave master would have in the New Testament times, uh, pay back a debt so that we can be free, we can belong to another. So in all that we do, well, it ought to be in service of Jesus now because he has purchased us. He has saved us. Well, in your day-to-day life, how often do you think about this? How often do you think that in whatever you're doing, it has a purpose? Even in ordinary things, that it is either serving or not serving God. Every action either serves or disobeys Him. We need to remember that. We're not our own lords. We belong to someone else. Well, the Bible teaches us that we were not our own. Um, it teaches us in 1 uh, Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. And it's pretty much exactly the same words I just said. It says, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Well, in all that you do, which includes how you interact with your neighbours, your colleagues, your kids, uh, your parents, your siblings, do you get along with them? Do you treat them fairly? Have you ever talked to them about Jesus? Do you talk to them about Jesus frequently? What about with the government authorities? What should we do with them? Well, we should submit. Though not all restrictions uh, uh, they place on you, well, they might not serve you, right? You might not think, oh, that's not relevant for me. I'll be fine. But remember that it's not all about you. It's, uh, it's serving other people. And most importantly for the Christian, it's serving Jesus. Remember to serve your heavenly master in everything. And praise God that he's not a harsh master. He's a wonderful master that never treats us wrongly or harshly. Also, when we serve our earthly bosses, well, it shouldn't be in rebellion, asserting the freedom that we have in Christ to do wrong. 
that once again, it's following the example of Jesus. So we hear about this in 1 Peter, 20, uh, 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23. It says this, uh, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sins and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So just like Jesus, we're not to break ranks. This is how we are to show that we trust God. That we trust God, that he is in control and that he sees and we'll pay back our earthly bosses if they do wrong. And it's not our job to, uh, to pay it back to them. That's God's job. But also us. If we do wrong, well, we should expect that God uh, will punish us. Well, if slaves are to submit to earthly masters and serving God, well, what about masters? Can they just do whatever they want? Well, Paul also talks about them in, their, uh, in this passage. Paul flips the logic to apply it to masters. And that's the next part. Uh, Paul instructs the Colossian Christians uh, that if you're in a position of power, remember that you have a heavenly master. That's the second point if you want to write that down in the outline. If you're in a position of power, remember you have a heavenly master. Well, he talks about this in uh, 4 verse 1, so let's go there. He says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Well, what Paul means here is masters, what are they to do? Well, they're to be right and fair to their slaves. This probably wasn't what's normal. So that meant that feed your slaves and look after them. Just like slaves are meant to serve their masters in everything, in every way the master is also to treat the slave rightly and fairly. Or just like a slave is commonly known to slack off and have resentment for their masters in New Testament times, or masters equally had the reputation for not treating their slaves right. To mistreat them as if mistreating something which is their own property, which indeed was the case. But Paul instructs them to not follow the norms of society. We're not to be like society. Not to follow the norms of society because this particular possession that they have, these masters, well, it's not an ordinary possession. Because this particular possession is different. This thing that they own is a human being made in the very image of God, the Creator. And if they're a Christian, they're not just another human being, they're also a brother or sister in Christ. So the master is not to follow the status quo and abuse power that they have over the slave, uh, but to treat, uh, to treat them subhumanly, but treat them righteously as they themselves would like to be treated. To always do right to the slave, providing uh, them with adequate provisions like clothes and food, a place to sleep, uh, reasonable workloads, to provide slaves with equal amounts of food and provisions, not neglecting some to care for them and not sell off their sons or daughters uh, while they were young, to split up the family, which they were entitled to do. 
because they were their possessions, even their children. And even not doing this, not abusing them, like with beatings or with sexual abuse. Uh, By the way, this was really common uh, in New Testament times, particularly among Greek households. They had no rights, remember, in society. Well, what's the reason for this? Why do they need to treat them rightly? Well, Paul applies uh, something that would have been groundbreaking for most masters in those times. And it's what we get in the second half of Colossians 4.1. It says, Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Well, this statement is revolutionary because most masters, well, they probably didn't think they had a master. They were the master of their own households. They didn't know that needed to answer to someone else. Or possibly they might have thought, I have to answer to uh, Roman rulers over them or uh, Jewish religious authorities if they were a Jew. But when it came to the household, they were the boss. Nobody got to tell them what to do. But now they need to remember that they too are servants and slaves even of another. They are servants of God. And now they serve the Lord Jesus as their master. They are slaves to their master, Jesus. Why? Well, it's because he's paid their sin debt, which they owe God for disobeying him, which carries with it the penalty of death. This is masters. Now, Jesus has repaid that debt to God with his own life. So now even these masters are indebted and owned by Jesus. So they're to serve him with all that they are, just like Christian slaves are to serve their earthly masters completely. They are to serve the master Jesus, the heavenly master, completely. Well, what about us? Well, like Paul's instructions to the Christian slaves, we probably can't apply these instructions directly since uh, uh, slavery in Australia is actually illegal. We don't have slaves in Australia. However, there are principles that we can apply. So for example, when we're in a position of power, uh, so we might be a boss or someone who makes big decisions which impact other people, we have a great capacity to abuse power, don't we? Well, in these situations, we don't just do what suits us. We need to make sure that we don't abuse power. Well, why not? Because we have a powerful Lord able to assert power even over us, especially if we abuse power. A God like we learned earlier who watches everything that we do, even our thoughts. We need to recognize that we have a boss over us who has the ability to make decisions that will affect us both now and in eternity. The Bible teaches us not to be fooled just because we're saved from eternal punishment in hell if we believe in Jesus Well, it doesn't mean that we won't be judged for the things that we did in our life. Paul tells us about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 to 10. It says, uh, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All. So that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So all that we do either serves him or not. It either glorifies him or not. That is our work, 
how we treat our family, how we treat our colleagues or employees, how we treat customers or clients. Paul encourages us in everything uh, to see everyone in God's eyes. And in God's eyes, what are we like? Well, we're all equal. Uh, We're all sinners. We're all his servants if we trust in Jesus. And Jesus will judge us for how we treat not only another human being, but also our brothers and sisters in Christ. People who will share the equal inheritance with Jesus and all those who have faith in him. So what this means is if we're an employer, uh, you should pay your employees right. Don't withhold what is rightfully theirs. Uh, like sick leave and holiday pay, you might not feel like paying it, um, but yeah, pay them back. Even if they stop working for you, pay them what is theirs uh, and you owe them. Yes, even if they weren't the best workers. Be fair. God is fair. But, you know, you might not be an employer, but there are other, there are other positions of power as well in the household. For example, if you're a father, uh, you're a master of your household. Maybe people don't respect you like that, but but you are. So treat your children and your wife fairly. And this obviously means don't abuse them, especially when no one's watching. God's watching. If you're a mum, well, bear bear authority over your children fairly. Sure, they might infuriate you and uh, you might want to pay them back or something, but don't. (laughs) Don't do that. <laughs> Don't worry, I know what it's like. It's frustrating. <laughs> well, to return uh, to the question I had at the beginning, uh, in a society where we're given complete freedom over our lives, how do we have Jesus as Lord over our lives? Well, whether you are whatever, uh, whoever you are and whatever you do, serve the Heavenly Master. Whoever you are and whatever you do, serve the Heavenly Master. Remember that you are to serve our Heavenly Master in everything you do. Every action, every attitude, in the way that you live, it either serves God or it doesn't. But thank God we have a wonderful Lord. Uh, Jesus is the Lord who cares and treats us perfectly fair. Let's pray that we reflect Him in the way that we treat others, uh, perfectly and fairly. Well, how about I pray uh, for us? Uh, Would you join me? Uh, Dear God, thank you so much that you are a perfectly fair and good master. Thank you that you've purchased us with our blood, with your blood, and uh, and uh, we pray that we would uh, remember that uh, that we are not our own, and in the ordinary uh, things of life that we do, they can seem pointless and um, temporary. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember they have a significance in your eyes. They either glorify you or not. So Lord, I pray that you would rem- help us to remember we're not our own masters that we would even think uh, to care about other people, uh, particularly in times where there are lots of restrictions and lots of changes are happening legally and um, in the state. But Lord, I pray that, yeah, we would think uh, best about the interests of others, um, think best about your interests, uh, whether it glorifies you or not. Uh, Help us as we struggle through that. Thank you that you're kind and gentle and you're not harsh. Um, I pray that we would reflect you uh, to people we know. In Jesus' name we
Thanks, Wayne. Uh, very good text, isn't it? To, um, yeah, one of the things that struck me when you were preaching is the principles that we can pull from that. Obviously, none of us are, hopefully, not slave owners here or slaves, but um, most of us have different areas of influence, uh, even if you're retired, right, uh, which many of you are in this room. Um, you still have areas the Lord has placed you in where you can serve him, and you have a level of authority over other people as well. Um, so how are we doing that in a way um, that reflects the gospel, right? So I, I, was, I was encouraged by that. Um, or, or, and it's relevant too, isn't it? Because um, sometimes we get, we can, I think as humans, we compartmentalize. Uh, we're kind of like Sunday here. This is where we think about God and church and Jesus and stuff. And then, but you know, work is where I have to deal with all these idiots that I don't like or, or whatever, or my boss is a jerk or whatever. So then we, do, we have this big disparity, this big gulf between church, Christianity, and then how that's worked out in our workplace. And um, I, I think it's really challenging, not my workplace, not Dan and I, but, um, but, but isn't it true that, that how, how's that? I mean, very, it can be very, so yeah, very, very relevant to a lot of principles to think through. So I appreciate it, brother. And I'm sure if you guys have questions, um, Wayne will be uh, out there as you, as you make your way out. Um, you can always have a quick chat with him as you're leaving because uh, Ross will kick you out of here. And um, so uh, if you are in Christ, the prayer that you're praying, like, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood that was spilled for us. Um, for, and I think you're really clear on the fact that we are sinners. And I appreciate that. And that we need, the, we need God's grace. Like we need his work on our behalf, his death in our place. And so if that is you this morning and you are a Christian and, and you're saying, yes, I, I believe in Jesus um, as Lord and as Savior, if you're trusting in Jesus right now for the hope of forgiveness and eternal life, if that is you, then this is an opportunity to actually grab the elements when they pass by. This is communion to remember this time together um, and to reflect on that as a church. And so um, I'd encourage you to grab those, uh, the, the wafer and the juice and go ahead and take all the little bits and pieces off as we sing this last song. Um, if you're not in Christ though, um, we'd love to explain what it means to get into right relationship with God, but the communion time is actually not for you. So this is a time for you to look on as those elements go by. Um, and so we want, we'd hate for you just to do that and leave. We'd love to explain more of what it means to get in a right relationship with God. So, um, Boys, take us away, and let's reflect on this song.
was portrayed he took bread and after breaking it he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's take as a church and eat together and in the same way he took the cup after supper he said this cup is the new covenant 
in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. Thanks, Rob, and thanks for that this morning, Wayne. That was really great. And encourage you to think about how you can encourage one another to have the right perspective about serving God and glorifying Him in everything you do. Unfortunately, that can't happen now afterwards, so I do encourage you to catch up somehow, whether that's through the week, whether that's via phone call, whether that's catching up somewhere else off-site. Uh, but do encourage you, to, encourage you to encourage one another. As you go, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.